right, how we doing, everybody? Hello again to Big Blue Kickoff Live here, brought to you by Coors Light, as always seen on Giants.com. I am Russ Salzberg, along with my partner today, the not one but two-time former Super Bowl champion, offensive lineman David Deal, the lovely Nicole Barrows taking care of us at the controls, and of course, you people are out there to give us a call, talk about what else? The Big Blue, because this is Big Blue Live on 201-939-4513. That is the number. And today, Dave, uh, well, got a chance to meet, say hello to uh, the newest giant, um, uh, Leonard Williams. Very... (laughs) He's an opponent. Listen, you're it's a big dude. A, you, well, yeah. you're, you're a big dude, and he is a great big dude. You know, when you see him in that corner in the locker room next to the guys like uh, Dexter Lawrence and Dalvin Thompson, uh, Tomlinson, that is one big group. It is. It's definitely a big group, and, you know, he helps bring in another asset to the defensive line to provide versatility amongst the group, and, and that's an exciting thing moving forward here. And, you know, obviously, with this move, you know that this isn't one that's just borrowing and renting for the no. season. It's going to be a long-term deal. And when you do this now with eight games left on the season, it's going to be a great bar to test to see where they're at across the board. What do we need to fill? What don't we need to fill? How are these players playing next to each other in cohesion? And on the defensive line, that's imperative when you're talking about gameplay and scheming and the type of stunts and twists and and games that you want to run off of it. So now with him being here and with eight games left, he's going to have that experience with Hill, with Tomlinson, with the rest of this group that's only going to bode well for them moving forward. Yeah, you know, he he also, he was saying, you you know what I'm talking about because you were never one of those guys. Certain guys give you all the cliche, the standard operating lines. It it was none of that. You know, he said, somebody asked him about, do you think this is kind of an audition for you because going into your free agency? He says, well, you can say that because... I'm with a new team, and obviously I'm trying to impress, and I want to impress, but he mentioned exactly what you said. He said, you know, it's kind of funny. He, he's all of 25 years old, and he's the oldest guy yeah. on that line. Hill, Tomlinson, Lawrence. Yep. I, I mean, McIntosh, he is the eldest statesman at the ripe old age of 25. Which is crazy, but that's to think about the fact of, which we've talked about throughout this entire season, this young football team and the demographic of it, these experiences, the prosperity, the adversity that they're facing this season is only going to help magnify when they get into these situations again, knowing how to respond and how to react to them. So bringing in a veteran like Leonard Williams uh, brings another added benefit, not only in regards to the player himself, but in regards to versatility and depth to that group, because we know when you can get after a quarterback with rushing four and play on the back end and have more safety help and more coverage on that back end, that's how you have a successful defense. And when you can have a plethora of defensive tackles and defensive linemen to where you're rotating in and out, it keeps everybody fresh. Yeah, l- l- let me ask you this, Dave. Again, again, folks, the number, we will take your calls, 201-939-4513. Paul and I touched on it yesterday. Okay. And initially, when you heard that, you know, a guy like Leonard's coming, uh, do you think that it's going in their mind? You know, Pat Sherman told us today, you know, Leonard is in the rotation, you know, that moving him around. Do you think, you know, th- the thought is going into their minds and it's just sheer speculation of a 4 3? 
You know, it's a possibility, but the thing that you think about when you think about a defense, it may have the title as a 3-4 defense, but you're going to run versatile three down fronts, four down fronts off of that anyways, based upon how you want to attack an opposing offense and get those matchups that are favorable for your defense and the defensive line. So, you know what? I don't play into it. Well, they're 3-4 or they're only 4-3 because you have multiple looks off of that. So I, I don't play that into a big overall scheming thing to where he's only going to be one player or a 1-3-4 guy or a 4-3 guy or a transformation. You're trying right now to bolster your roster to where you're putting the best 11 on the field and each and every week is going to bring a different type of front that you want to run going up against that offense, regardless of whether it's a 3-4 or a 4-3 front. Yeah, I, 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 that's what I was kind of thinking. You, you know, yeah. They do different variations, you know, all the time, so I, I didn't know if that's a big deal. But you know, it, it was certainly something. Of course, know, to think about when you acquire somebody like that. Uh, he, I think the big difference is when you start talking about defensive ends and outside linebackers. When you're talking about the difference between three, four, and four, three, because that's where you really see the change of the guard. When you're having a defensive end in a four, three, you're not going to have him in a two point stance thinking about covering somebody just like you sometimes do when you have a four linebacker system. So that's where I think a lot of the diversity comes in. But when you're talking about defensive tackles and the interior line play of that, you have your systematic roles on certain things, maybe two gap, which means you're holding up and letting the linebackers run. But that change and that scheme changes based upon where they're going to move you in that matchup. You know, the, the, also the thing about uh, Leonard Williams, you know, coming in, uh, look, the fans might not th care about it. The media might not care about it, but it is reality. When you get traded, it is a jolt to your system, not just because of the business of it, but, you know, a lot of guys, you got to move, you got to pack your bags, you got to... You're starting all over. You got to get, get, get somebody to take care of your apartment, you got to get dog watches and this and that, and... and Leonard brought out the fact that it's easy for him. He yeah. does not have to move. And it, it's kind of ironic. So if you had to be traded, it was a perfect scenario for him. He didn't have to move. He's playing. How, how about this for, for the irony of it? He's playing his old team next week. This coming Monday night, he's playing Dallas of who he's played already this yeah, season. Yeah, they just played two weeks ago. So it, it's kind of... You know, and, I'm and sorry, three weeks ago. Three, and, and, you know, Pat Sharma said he's going to be playing. It's not like we're good, just going to try and, I mean, he's going to be playing. He is part of the team. The thing that I wanted to ask you, I would think, and, and Sharma brought it out, obviously, you know, he says the defensive lineman, it's a lot easier, you, you know, if, if you're playing on short notice, you know, like you're newly acquired. It's a lot more complicated, let's say, if you're a quarterback. Or a wide receiver that, that, or one of those, or, yeah. Or, or I would say the same thing. An offensive lineman. I, I would yeah. learn a new call, the new yeah, schemes. That, that, uh, defensive lineman, uh, just uh, go, get go get the football. Yeah. Go get the ball. I mean, we, we always said that, you know, we know offensive linemen are smarter than D-linemen. Oh, you've been gotta... telling me that for years. <laughs> but it is. It, it's a different position that can make that seamless transition where it's not as easy when you're talking about a wide receiver quarterback or offensive line and all the calls and things that go involved with it as well.
201-939-4513 is the number. Again, want to remind everybody that Big Blue Kickoff Live here is brought to you by Coors Light. And, of course, if you choose to enter, if you wish to enter the to win the ultimate VIP game day experience, courtesy of who else but Coors Light, you want to text VIP to 90464 for more details. That is, again, 201-939-4513 is the number. The other thing which was kind of funny today, uh, you know, I forget who it was. Somebody in the media asked Pat about, well, are the guys relieved you know, because with all the talk about so-and-so, you know, this guy possibly being traded or that guy possibly being traded. And, and Pat Trevor brought out a good point. Well, hold on a second. The talk is outside the building. Yeah. We're not talking. And, and I'll tell you, I've been in this business for 36 years. I've seen, you know, I know when talk is real talk, and especially in the day of social media, a lot of it is gibberish. I mean, as Sherman said, Janoris Jenkins is, has been traded for three straight years. Yeah. So and he's still here. We were hearing Janoris Jenkins. We were hearing Ogletree. Ogletree. We were hearing Solder. Well, there were whispers about Evan Ingram. What they were all still here. I, I laughed at the fact that when they started talking about Nate Solder and Evan Ingram, I, I don't. I laughed. I, yes, I because too. the reason why I laughed is because. Number one, with Solder just being signed two years ago, and this is his second season with the Giants and the cap number that he's at, you know that there's not going to be a trade out there that's going to give you the return on investment in that. Same thing with Evan Ingram, being a young player that was drafted here with his best football and his future up ahead of him. Not to mention, what was this season all about when they transitioned from Eli Manning to Hello. Daniel Jones I, that's the was me- to make sure that Daniel Jones gets valuable experience and makes progress throughout this season. So let's take if you get rid if you get people. rid of his starting left tackle and his tight end, how is he going to make progress knowing that you don't have anybody behind them that are going to play up to those standards? Uh, that's, you can't. Yeah, I agree with you. That's why I thought I, I was just waiting to see, and you know, I, I've, I've always. Said this, you know, and people say, "Well, it's got to come from within the organization." I don't necessarily buy that, and it's not just in this sport, folks. It's in all sports. Those agents have a way of just leaking, and yeah. it's more leaks than the Titanic. But also, there's a reason why they do that. They may leak that one player not because they have that player in within that organization. They may have another player on another team that that organization that they're trying to trade to may be interested in the player that's on the Giants and his client. So if he puts that out there or puts something else out there, it may force the issue much quicker based upon that trade and acquiring somebody through that way as well. So there's always that that bait-and-switch game that's thrown out there by agents and by media trying to, to, number one, get stories out there, but then, number two, trying to manipulate and spin the trade deadline to get their players or their clients taken care of. Well, 201-939-4513 is the number. Phone lines are open. All right, so I didn't get a chance to discuss it with you. Uh, the first quarter of the season was pretty good. It was 2-2. Two and two. The second quarter, not very good. No. It's 0-4. Oh so my question to you is where, you know, what's the mindset? Listen, you've been part of <coughs> two awful losing streaks. You started off one season 
0-6. There was another seven-game losing streak. I've been the, a part of 4-12s. and 12s. I've been a part of 8-8s. and I've been a part of all those during my career. Uh, um, you tell me, what's the mindset? Put yourself as a former player inside that. You, you're on that team now. What's your mindset? Your mindset is to go out there each and every practice and improve the things that you've put on field on the field for these first eight games because if you don't make those corrections you are going to get exposed even more so, not only individually, but as a group. You are a professional football player in the NFL that has an opportunity to wear that New York Giants helmet. That is a privilege to be able to do that. And when you're going up and you have eight games left, it's all about taking one week at a time and playing your best football and doing whatever you can to help your football team win. I know, well, knocked out of playoff, playoff contentions, all these other things. You can't think about that as a player. It may be the truth and it may be the fact, but in no way, shape, or form is that going to diminish the way that you have to prepare and perform on Sundays. Because if you're sitting at 2-6 and six, and you think with eight games left that you're just going to be able to sit back, not perform, and more importantly, not prepare the way that you need to to win football games, you're going to be sadly mistaken because at the end of this season, just like every year, you're going to be evaluated. Not only about the games that you played well, but when the games you had nothing to play for. They want to see what type of character player you are, what type of person and competitor that you are. And it's not only this team with the New York Giants. There's 31 other teams doing the same exact thing. So it's an obligation not only to you as a professional and to your contract, but for your livelihood and your profession. You better go out and sell out for these last eight games because this is the most important and crucial time of people evaluating you as a player. I, that, that's why I've always said, you know, sometimes fans w would disagree. I've always said the losses... They don't weigh on anybody worse than they do the players for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's their team. Yep. Number one, it, it, number two, it's their embarrassment, if you will. Yeah. They don't feel good about it. It's it's their criticism that they're taking. It's their criticism that they're taking. And in you the only get 16 opportunities that are guaranteed to you. And it when I, it is their livelihood. As you say, it's their chance. There's not just this team. There are 31 other teams. There are people dying for those jobs. Trying. Listen, I look. I watch guys every day on a practice squad. Oh, I just saw Tay Davis yeah. get waved. And you know, he sent out a, a very nice thank you for yep. giving me the chance. But you see those things. It comes and goes like that. You, yep. you have to make the most of the opportunity. So I mean, I've, I listen. For example, when Saquon got hurt, Wayne Gallman is not a good guy. He's a terrific guy and a terrific teammate. Wayne didn't want uh, Saquon to get hurt. But when you spoke to Wayne in the locker room. He was hey, amped man, up. He hey, was excited. Hey, hey, with a smile on his face. Yeah. Hey, it's my opportunity. Yep. Now, it's, it's showtime for me. No question. And that's something that you deal with as a football player. And you know the magnitude of the situation. And if you think that there's not. A, a pressure that's put on you as a football player, just come into this building on Tuesday. Because what play takes place every Tuesday, there's anywhere from 15 to 20 free agents that some are veteran players, some are rookie free agents, some were on other teams that got released from practice squads that are all working out to just get that one opportunity. 
that one chance to get back out on the football field because they know what it meant to them now that it slipped away. You don't want to leave any of those regrets out on the field coming back and looking back at the season because moving forward, regardless of what your record is, is in 2019 for 2020, either you're part of the solution or you're the problem and you're not going to be here. 201-939-4513, folks. We've got phone lines open, so give us a call. We're here to take uh, whatever you choose to talk about. One thing that I wanted to bring up with you before we get to some of the calls, uh, Dave, I was very happy that Bruce Arians opened up his mouth the other day. I'm sure he was fine when he said uh, officials aren't held accountable. But I am telling you, we are seeing some of the worst officiating yeah. I have ever seen. And the one that was jarring to me that really I haven't seen a whole big deal made about it, but late in the first half, that running into the kicker when the Giants were up down 14-13, and had a chance to get the ball again and maybe go up 16-14 uh, or maybe score a touchdown. That was the most god-awful call I had ever seen. And I, we've seen some bad ones. I just thought it was a ridiculous call. And, you know, talk about a game-changer. They went from having the opportunity to go in with the lead. So instead, the, um, the other team increases their lead from one to four, and they were getting the ball to start the second half. Start the second half, and it literally was the best dramatic actor award by their kicker because it literally grazed his shoe in his cleat. Oh. There was nothing to cause him to fall over and to have that happen, but he flopped and he got the call. Uh, it, 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 I, to me, it was just awful. And, and, and you know the unfortunate thing about it is, is what do you do as a Giants team? You come back, and on Monday, after reviewing all the tape, you submit into the league offices either penalties that you think should have been called or penalties that were called that you think that should not have been. And usually come Wednesday or Thursday, you get a letter back from the NFL. Yeah, we were wrong. That shouldn't have been called. But it doesn't change the output yeah, out, yeah, out, out of the game. It, no. Hey, people lose jobs because of bad calls. Yeah. And it's not the officials who are losing the job. No, it is not the official that are losing the jobs. It's going to be players and head coaches. No, it, it, it really, I mean, that, that just rubbed me the wrong way. And it wasn't just because it went against the Giants. I just thought it was an awful, awful call. And Arians brought it up. And I'm sure he was, <laughs> I'm sure he'll receive a hefty fine for it. But I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, I, I don't know if replay has made these, these officials lazy or, or they, they're not doing their due diligence. And it's not just, it's not just the football, because I, I don't want to get into have a discussion about baseball here. But, boy, I saw a, a terrible call in last night's um, game, five, game six, excuse me, uh, down in Houston, uh, I, I, you just you wonder what they're watching. I, I just, but I, I'm glad Arians brought it out because I think it needs to be said. These officials are not doing the job uh, correctly, not at all. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three is the number. What do you say we open up uh, open up this day by going out to New Mexico, check in with our friend Scott? Hello, Scott. You're on with Russ and David. Hi guys, how you doing today? How we doing? Good. Uh, Russ, I happen to agree with you. I think that call was a pivotal call in the oh, game. Uh, awful. That missing, uh, that, uh, you know, the uh, blocked or the supposedly... Uh, running into the kicker. Yeah. Running, running into the kicker. 
But uh, when I was listening to the broadcast, I wanted to get a clarification before I get to my main point. Uh, Charles Davis, who was announcing the game for Fox, had said that if he were the Giants, he would have challenged the call. So was that call challengeable? And if it was, why didn't Pat Shermer challenge it? Uh, well, if you're just asking my opinion, and I'm going to – well, first of all, I don't know that that was a challengeable call. I, I don't think I don't, it was I a challengeable call I don't think it was a challengeable all. call. But you know what, Scott? You know, they asked, they asked him on, you know, with the pass interference on Slayton in the end zone. Like, the same right. people who were asking, when I say the same people, media people who were asking, why didn't you, uh, uh, after the game, why didn't you challenge that? Those are the same people who are killing him for making the other challenges when, you know, the challenges aren't going to go through. So, to, to me... The whole system. Well, pass interference. I, 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 no, I understand. No, I understand. But listen, this one was not challengeable. Okay. Okay. But, but even if it was, you know, you can go to the well so many times, and you want to throw your hands up because I don't. Again, that's what I'm. I brought this up. I, I think the system stinks. I think some of the officiating stinks, and all in all, it needs to be corrected. Right. I agree. Uh, my main point really has that they're obviously going to go up against Dallas this week, and uh, uh, they're going to go, go against a very good team, uh, obviously. But the question I have for both of you uh, is, and I'll harken back to the 2007 season, although that wasn't statistically one of the greatest seasons the Giants had, they, they won the Super Bowl, but one of the characteristics that was imperative for the Giants that year was their running attack. I think that three-headed monster they had, I think, rushed for over 1,800 yards, and that was a very big contributing factor to why they wound up in the Super Bowl. And I wanted to ask, uh, this year it's been very difficult for the Giants to establish a running attack, and I was wondering from your perspective, either one of you, and Dave, I guess because you're an offensive lineman, maybe you can address this, why has it been so difficult to establish the running attack? I realize the Giants are getting behind uh, in early games, and that's a contributory factor. But more importantly, they don't seem to stick with the run, and they have two excellent backs. I know they've been hurt uh, with Goldman and uh, Barkley, but it seems like they seem to abandon it too quickly, and I was wondering if there's a reason for that or if there's some other reason why they can't really establish the running attack. Because, as I've mentioned numerous times, the teams that make it into the playoffs are the teams that can run. Uh, Ten of the 12 teams last year that made it into the playoffs uh, uh, playoffs were in the top echelon of the uh, you know of running and and we can't seem to right. do it and it's hurting us so i was wondering what your opinions were well, on that well th thanks for the call scott why don't okay. you take it there, yeah there. well obviously this is something that i talked about uh for previous weeks but i've been echoing this my entire career and even post-career broadcasting running the football never gets old and it never will ever change because you dictate the tempo of the football game you wear down the opposing defense and you open up everything schematically when you have a successful running game one of the things that i've talked about and i talked about this last week in order for the giants run game to get where it needs to go they have to get more explosive runs and better runs for yards into the perimeter can you think about the last time without Saquon Barkley bouncing it out there where it's been a nice toss pitch or a sweep to the perimeter that's gotten those seven, eight, nine-yard runs? 
those are the things that make a defense widen out and open up things for you in the play-action passing game. And that takes all 11 on the field. Granted, the quarterback's not blocking, but wide receivers need to get involved to help edge the defense when you are running out there to the perimeter. So that's part of it. So the perimeter running game has to get going. And then number two, the other big thing that goes along with the running game is you have to make sure that you do things, whether it's stemming, whether it's motion, whether it's anything that you can do to cause deception. Think about it. We faked the one time, the Golden Tate, like we were going to jet sweep. Right. That was an eight-yard run by Saquon Barkley because now all of a sudden you're making that defense look one way and you run it the other way. Those are things that have to get implemented into the game plan moving forward here for the Giants running game to get where it needs to go. Because right now when it's just inside zone game, they're playing eight in the box and they're not getting the push that they need to up front. I I think also, Scott, you know, I I understand Scott's question. Of course. But but there's also something that just screams out at you. And again, it's not making excuses, but for crying out loud, you you know, Saquon was out for three games. And and then after Goldman has the good game, he goes out in concussion protocol. uh, So he's missing a game. I mean, quite frankly... Uh, I think our friend Nicole here was going to be the next running back next in line. Yeah. I mean, no, but you you know, again, it has to be next man up. But when you want to talk about it's all of what David has said, but listen, some of the injuries, you're not talking about just any running back. You're talking about Saquon Barkley when you don't have him in the lineup. I mean, that has a lot to do with everything. Including the passing. Yeah, not to mention the one thing that we did know that there was a competition in that running back room to see who was going to be the number two and number three. If you don't think moving forward here and going into next season that that is going to be one of the most competitive groups on this football team to seal those positions, you're gladly mistaken because that one injury to Saquon Barkley once again showed how imperative it is to have a secondary running back to where you don't lose any head of steam moving forward and you can function as an offense with that player in there. And, uh, you know, then the other thing about the running game, and uh, again, I, I told you this, I mentioned it uh, yesterday, I'll, I'll say it again, give you credit because you were the one who brought it up because I watched you on the postgame show. You know, Saquon, in fairness to Saquon, he's been out. If you know anything about Saquon, he was chomping at the bit. Uh, the losing doesn't sit well with him, nor does it sit well with anybody else on the team. But he's a fierce competitor. He wants to make things happen. He's a captain on this team. He's anxious. He's over-anxious to make something happen. And you brought it out. It's Trying re- to do a little too much. That's rearing. It's a little bit of an ugly, yeah. you know, what happened when he started last year. Just trying to do a little too much. And you brought out the point you know, and instead of trying to bounce right away, you know, get that, get the four or five on the first down. Just, just plow straight ahead. You know, it's not like he's slight of frame. I, no. I mean, he's a monster. You know, so, so plow straight ahead because let me tell you, Saquon, Daniel, Pat Shermer, everybody, you, you'd much rather be in second and six or second and five as opposed to second and eight or nine without a doubt and that's something that you know we talked about when he was coming out of penn state that he'd have those big explosive plays when he would bounce outside because there was nothing on the inside and he was just that much faster and better than everybody at the college game 
that's one thing that we talked about once you get to the NFL level. People can run. People are fast, and that's not going to be able to work every time. And I feel like last season it started off a little bit, but then you remember he had to, I had a discussion with Dave Gettleman about those gritty yards, getting those extra two or three, putting my foot in the ground going north and south, and you saw him make that transition. I feel like when he got injured and coming back yeah. and the magnitude of it, trying to do too much, he kind of got into that bad habit again, trying to make a play where when he could have been a little bit more patient, let the blocks develop and get those that dirty, gritty two, three, four-yard runs. Again, I don't think... Uh, oh, it's we, completely we, correctable. Yeah, we're just, not suggesting yeah, it's a no. major problem. But, you know, having watched this past week... When I, you're it, trying to do too much. Yeah, th- that's all it is. Yeah. You, you know, uh, just trying to do too much. As David says, 201-939-4513 is the number. Again, Big Blue Kickoff Live here brought to you by Coors Light. Please, if you want to enter to win the uh, ultimate VIP game day experience courtesy of Coors Light, well, then you want to text VIP to 90464. That's VIP to 90464 for more details. But again, the number here is 201-939-4513. Let's go down to Texas. And check in with Don. Don, you're on with Russ and Dave. Where in Texas are you, my friend? Hey, Russ. Hey, David. By the Dallas area. Okay. okay. All right. All right. I got a couple questions for you, especially Dave. I want to take your input on this. So my first question in regards to Daniel Jones, and then I have a question about the roster. In regards to Daniel Jones, David, at what point, because he's such a young rookie quarterback, you saw Eli, you see all these other quarterbacks go through it, at what point do you start seeing them being comfortable with their reads that they start audibling at the line of scrimmage? Because there are some times that you could kind of see that there's some plays that when you line up, Daniel should make an audible to something else. And at what point do you start seeing the confidence and the comfort level with Daniel Jones doing audibles? And second, um, and I'll take my answer off the air, guy. the question that I have based on the current roster what do you see the biggest glaring needs, one position on the offense and one position on the defense? For me, I see on the offense a right tackle is a real big need, and on the defense I see safety going into the offseason. Okay, this, to start off with your Thanks, first Don. part with the, the checks and audibles, you know, there's not many quarterbacks that you meet or talk to that when they come in they get free reign to just go to the line of scrimmage and change things. A lot of times the the quarterback will get a two-play sequence from the head coach or you go through a list of audibles if a certain blitz or a certain look comes up that you check out of what current play you have and check to that new play. Those are all things that are hammer out in your uh, your preparation and in your game plan during the week so that when you go out there, the head coach can either do that or you can check to those plays based upon what you did in practice. But how many times have we really seen throughout the career of any NFL quarterback and all the way back to Hall of Famers to where in their rookie season they were allowed the flexibility to check plays and just to put themselves into whatever they want to do. There's really not that option put out there for quarterbacks, let alone we were just having this discussion about Aaron Rodgers and his new coach this year about that flexibility because the coach in a new system, and for Daniel Jones being a first-year guy, you don't want to put more on the player's plate because now all of a sudden, not only are you trying to get everybody lined up, but now you're trying to go through your list of audibles and all these other things that you don't have tailored in the experience for that. So the head coach and coordinator morally run those things 
throughout the weekend into the game plan. And then as you get more experience and the more comfort you get and the better you play with it and that cohesion you have with your offensive line and the rest of the offense, that's where that's given to you. That has to be earned. That's not something that, you know, you come in as a quarterback, hey, go ahead, check what all or audible you want to go out there with. It's not like that. It's structured to where the old coordinator and the head coach are the ones that implement that and start loosening up the reins after you get experience and playing well in the system. And how about uh, what he asked for in terms of what they need moving forward? He, he was saying the number one need. One offensive guy, so, one uh, defensive uh, guy. He said, he said one with his, his two guys, I believe, were right tackle and safety. I, I would say for the defensive side, middle linebacker. One that can guide, run this defense, do everything, and it can be not only a run stopper, but can cover people in the passing game, running backs and tight ends. And then for me on the offensive side of the ball, as much as I want to say right tackle and which is going to be addressed, you know that for a sure fact, I'd say a number one wide receiver. Another deep speed threat down the field to open up things in the short and intermediate game for Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, and Evan Ingram. Now, I will say this. The young man has really stepped up. Listen, Slayton, no, oh yeah, without uh, a doubt. I, we were talking about it yesterday because one of the things that was annoying me, and, and it really has hurt Daniel Jones at times this year, uh, I, I was complaining about I think when you, the last time we were together, we spoke about it. The receivers, this is the NFL. Go make a play. If, when the ball is here, yeah. I don't want the defensive player grabbing it from me. I want to grab it. And not once, but twice. And I was like cheering watching the game. Slayton did that twice for touchdowns against the um, yeah. Lions. And we're talking about 50-50 balls where you're going up there, bodying up yes. to win at the highest point and to come down for touchdowns. Those are great things to see and great things out of him positively. And this is one of the things that I've talked about, you know, throughout this season and up until this point when Slayton got in and started making dynamic plays. Daniel Jones and Slayton have been thrown to each other since rookie minicamp. So it's great now that they're getting out on the field and you're starting to see all that work that they put on during the offseason and the preseason starting to show up on film. And that's something that you're excited about and that you can see for a long-term period of time. You know, in, in the postgame show, I, I, I brought this up in, in the postgame show. Somebody, I don't know who it was, asked uh, Daniel Jones when he was at the podium, well, you seem to be throwing to Darius Slayton yeah. a lot. Uh, is there a reason for that? Daniel, <laughs> Daniel Jones, like like very unassumingly said, well, yeah, he's a good player. <laughs> no, but, yeah. but, but I mean, but now you bring it up. Yeah, they've been together, you know, from the very beginning. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's paying dividends. And don't forget, Slayton got off to a slow start with the hammy. Mm -hmm. uh, so, And another thing that goes along with this, and I always tell young receivers this, and I know that it's something that goes around the league. As a young receiver, it is imperative for you to capitalize on your opportunities in practice and to make plays with the quarterback. Because if you make plays and get open in practice and the quarterback's throwing you the ball, odds are you're going to get the ball thrown to you in the game because he's building that trust and that confidence in you that you're going to be in the right spot. And a lot of times quarterbacks will do this subconsciously. They're not sitting there going through, oh, I'm just going to throw it to Slayton subconsciously with their comfort and the way that they go through their progressions in practice. It just happens naturally on the game field. So that's why we always talk about for young receivers, if you don't practice and you expect that you're going to go out there and catch 10 balls in a football game, 
don't because that quarterback's not going to have that confidence that you're going to be exactly where you need to be at the right time to get the ball accordingly. 201-939-4513 is the number, folks. Phone lines are open. Again, 201-939-4513 is the number. I like that phrase, you, you know, I mean, it's used several times, but, you know, I think it's worth mentioning again. You use the term 50-50 balls. Yeah. And, and listen, this is not high school. It's not even college. This is the NFL most of them are 50-50 yeah. balls. Tight windows, <laughs> they, they, short radiuses. And, yeah. and, he, and Daniel, a very strong point of Daniel is, and anybody will tell you that if you watch him on a regular basis, he can throw into a tight window. Yes, he a, can. A receiver's got to like that. But the point is, if you're getting help from the quarterback doing that, you have to make sure you grab that football. And, and I thought, uh, you, you know, as you said, there's got to be the trust. There's got to be the trust, and he's got to know if I'm going to put the ball there, you're going to go up and get it, or I'm going to put the ball down there, you're going to go get it. And, and if you don't get it, nobody else is going to get it. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, and that's something great that, that you like to see out of Slayton. And the thing that you know surprises me, obviously we've spent time with him, you spent time with him, but doesn't he look way taller than six one when he's out on the field? I, I was he looks he looks like he's much he looks he like looks much hard. bigger yeah, yeah. out on the field than he does in, in person. Yeah, he I look, agree with you on that. He plays at a different speed, and that's the great thing. And the one thing that we you know we talked about in the post game, in which you know he'll understand it was a tough ball to catch to the sidelines to where right before half, when they took that shot to see if they could get a field goal before. Threw it to the sidelines. Daniel Jones put it there, and there was the concentration and looking towards the sidelines, and it was a drop. That was something that, and that is something that Slayton will improve on, knowing that those three points before half could have been huge. Yeah, I. That was the clear cut going the opposite way. Yeah. That, that was just anxious to make something. Trying to look at the sidelines, see if he had to drag yeah, his feet before I, securing it, the ball. It, you know, they only got the ball with 20. Actually. You know, he makes that catch, even though they were only getting the ball with 12 seconds left. You take one more shot, that, and you still had timeouts. Yes, you still had time timeouts. So, uh, anyway, 201-939-4513 is the number. Uh, let's go to, uh, I guess we're going to Portland, Maine, and checking back in with Charlie. Hello again, Charlie. You're on with hey, Russ yes. and Paul. Hey, Dave. Uh, uh, Dave, rather, Paul. Paul. Yeah. I'm not Paulie Dots. I got dots. I got dots on my mind. Go ahead. <laughs> hey, uh, just a little bit about the game coming up. Um, Dallas has got a pretty good pass rush, and they just added Bennett. They got Lawrence. You know, and the last couple games, with, let's see, we had eight sacks, and then we had four sacks. So you know they're going to get sacks. The point, the thing is, it's okay to get a sack, but the quarterback has to hold on to the ball. If we start fumbling the ball, this is going to be a long day for yeah, the Giants. I, Charlie, I, 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 that's, I, yeah, yeah, but yeah. for you to sit here and start it off and say it's okay to give up sacks, I mean, what kind of statement is that, Charlie? It is not okay I'm, I'm, hey, I'm to not give up okay, a sack. But that's what we've been doing. No, so no. it's kind of like it's going to happen. And you're not going up against a team that it doesn't – have a lot of sacks. They do. Oh, so no, just, I know that, but to diminish the fact that us, no, no. You know, we could give up a sack. No, you don't want any of that to happen, let alone the sack force fumble that we know Robert Quinn and Demarcus Lawrence and now with the addition of Michael Bennett, which is exactly what they're going to be looking for. Yeah, and so you know, David, you're going to tell me that they're not the Giants' offensive lines are not going to give any sacks up this week? It's happened before, hasn't it, Charlie? 
Not with this team, it hasn't. Yeah. Well, you, you know, Charlie, <laughs> you at, maybe, at, at, as always team. is the case, we know, Charlie, and thank you for the call, but as usual, you're leading us right to, the, to where are you going? To the promised land. What's the promised land? Daniel Jones. Yeah. Because as he started, Daniel Jones is, if he's going to get sacked, sacked is okay, but you can't fumble the ball. It's you know, Charlie's you don't got. Want your, you don't want Daniel Jones touched. Char, Charlie's got Eli Itis. He can't no, and, get over it. No, and that's it. fine, and, and and it's completely understandable. But you know, to sit here and say, "Oh, sacks are okay," but you got to hold on to it. No, you don't want this guy getting hit whatsoever, and that's why you're going to have to manipulate the launch point and the game plan for this football game, predicated on running the football in order to have a successful outing on Monday night up against the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, listen, we don't want sacks. And we don't want fumbles. And we want execution. Isn't yeah. that basic one-on-one football? <laughs> no question. Run the football, and they're going to have to do their best to keep this Dallas offense off of the field. I, I mean, that to me, yeah. bingo. Without a doubt. They're going to have to control time of possession in this game. And I know a lot of people always go, well, the team that has the time of possession doesn't always win. It's the team that has the most points. Time of possession is critical when you're facing a team like the Dallas Cowboys that their whole game plan and their whole wins are all going through number 21, Ezekiel Elliott. Yeah, I, I, I mean, let, listen, you played with the guy. I mean, he's a blood brother to you. I'm talking about Eli Man. Yeah. Okay. I've sat here. You know me. I know Eli. Was it 16 years? Paul's the same way. We're all Eli fans. But Charlie's got to get over the fact that Eli is out and Daniel Jones is in. The transition and, and, has happened. And, and you can't continually look at Daniel. I mean, like, you know, I cut Charlie off yesterday because you're starting a conversation that he was the culprit, the reason we lost the game after a guy throws for four touchdowns. I, I mean, it's just... And the other thing that, you know, that, that goes along with this is is that, you know, a lot of people and a lot of people will say, well, Daniel Jones, you know you want to get him the experience, but, you know, it, it, would you want to sprinkle Eli Manning in here once in a while? No. You have to have the prosperity and you have to handle the adversity all the same when you go through an NFL season because it's not going to be perfect. You're not going to be perfect for 16 games out of the year. And it's the mental toughness to be able to bounce back week in and week out and have the best amount of preparation and put out the best product out on the football field comes to you as a man and as a competitor. So to sit there and to do that, that that's not going to solve anything. I, I, I'm going to be frank with you. You might disagree with this. Uh, from what I've seen from Daniel Jones, I'm seeing better than what I expected to see after eight games. I, I mean, when I say I'm... First of all, I wasn't astute on all of what Daniel Jones did in college, and neither was anybody else. Because if anybody else was... Sat there and told you that they watched Duke football. Yeah, it's, it's full of garbage. <laughs> yeah. Okay? And, and all the same people who, who... All the same people who was screaming when D uh, Daniel Jones was drafted were the same people who were... Put the headlines they, of when they, he got kissing, drafted to after kiss, the Tampa Bay game yeah, next they, to they're each kissing, other. Yeah, they're kissing Danny Dimes' yeah. tush right now, okay? No, I mean, For lack of a better term. I mean, it, it's truly, it's been unbelievable the way that he's been able to come in. And, and granted, nobody wants to see the interceptions or the, the forced fumbles and the fumbles and losing them. We all get that. But some of the things that he's been doing as a quarterback in his first year are 
absolutely phenomenal. I mean, the fact that he can change and get in and out of things, the fact that he's been able to guide his offense, the fact that he's been able to go through his progressions to make right decisions, to take the amount of hits that he's taken and to bounce right back up, to take those hits and not think, oh, I need to just take off and run with the football like a lot of young quarterbacks do. They and start, he has the ability to do And he has that. the ability to do that. But what happens? They start seeing the rush and feel, instead of feeling the rush, and all of a sudden their game's running, scrambling, and it's all off cue. You've seen him make progress, even though it's right now not showing up in wins or statistical numbers right now. But you could see the progress in, in play in and play out and this resume that he's putting out right now. He, he's physically tough. Yep. He's mentally tough. And, you know, there, there are things you don't know in, until you see it happen. I see it up close on the field. I see it in the locker room. Uh, he is a bona fide leader. Yeah. The players... And and you see they it, all respond. Th- to they him. all respond yep. to him. He gets their attention in a finger snap. He is clearly their leader at the bright old age of twenty two. Yeah. he is the leader on offense. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I didn't know I was going to see that. You, I didn't. You didn't because you don't know. Exactly. You think that's the potential of what can happen, but when bullets start getting shot and there's live rounds going around, you don't know how that player's really going to respond. No, no, really. I, I that so that's why I say he's better than what I expected. I, I just think I've seen a lot of the 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 positives far outweigh the negatives. Far outweigh the negatives. He's a bounce back guy. Just we we were talking off air. As soon as you know the seven points right away off the top, off the lateral pass, he bounced right back. Yeah, bounces right back. Comes up with four touchdowns. I mean, really, you know. So I mean, the the pros far outweigh the cons when it comes to Daniel Jones. Let's go to Long Island. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three is the number. Out on the island, it is Jeff. Jeff, you're talking to Russ and David. Hey, hi, guys. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, I'm calling because uh, now that we can talk a little bit about Leonard Williams, I, I think it's very. Um, uh, coincidental that uh, not only did we get him now, but we're also playing Dallas on Monday night, considering Ezekiel Elliott, as you mentioned before. Run defense is going to be uh, very important. I, I, I like Leonard Williams' strengths. I think everybody's been all over the board about him, about what he should be doing and what his strengths or what his weaknesses are. But I think it's pretty uh, good that we have him at this point in time Based on his experience, based on actually he's already faced Dallas uh, too. Uh, his team won at that time, but uh, I think uh, it was a pretty good move. What do you think? Well, I, I didn't know Jeff if if you heard us talk before uh, because we kind of started the show uh, talking about that. I, I listen. Dave will tell you what he thinks, but I think we we concur together here. It, to me, it's a no brainer. I mean, he he makes the defense immediately better uh he's if he's not the best defensive lineman on the team right now i don't know who is and that's not that's not to be disparaging no. No, no, to no. what's here he, he's a very good player and every defensive tackle you have has to have different traits i mean between bj tom bj hill delvin tomlinson and him 
you have three interior guys that can do multiple things. You know, you have Tomlinson, who's more the run stuffer, double team holder. You have B.J. Hill, who can do that but wants to penetrate more. You have Leonard Williams, who has the versatility to do both of those. Now the big thing is, is moving forward, are, are this group playing together in cohesion and getting that pass rush together because that's the next initial part that they need to work on. And that's going to be a part of not only him working with Lorenzo Carter and X-Man, but that's one of the big things that they're going to need to do moving forward, whether it's through free agency or the draft, is acquiring another top-notch first-class defensive end that can get off of the quarterbacks on those one-on-ones to free up everything right. else for the D-line. You, you, you know, just standing – no, I'll let you continue. Standing in a locker room yeah. – Looking at him standing side by side, and, and then also coming off the field practice today, side by side with Dexter Lawrence, man, those are two imposing, big, athletic men. When I say big, I'm not just talking. I'm not talking round. I'm saying big, athletic men. Understood. And the question I have, I guess, as an offshoot to this is, um, you know, I've seen coaches in the tra- in the past try to. Uh, push their agenda, push their their uh, type of game plan, no matter who the personnel was. Now you have James Betcher, who, you know, who starts off with a three-four, but obviously there's a lot of flexibility there, you know, with a, a lot of different players. But because you're building a, a line that has a lot of uh, studs on that line, is there any possibility that he might say consider or consider that well maybe I should start with a four-three and work off of that? Well, you know, we kind of talked about that earlier Jeff because you know the one thing is is that when people get so caught up in well they're a 3-4 they're not a 4-3 you run 4-3 looks out of your 3-4 and you look around the league you may be a 3-4 team certain situations you're going to run a four down look so there's multiple looks that you run that you're not so much categorized as just one or the other anymore and then to go along with it Leonard Williams at his uh, ripe young age of 25 years old amazing what's the one thing that you're always looking for out of defensive linemen what's the best ability availability 2015 16 games played 2016, 16 games played. 2017, 16 games played. 2018, 16 games played. He showed the durability that he can hold up throughout an entire NFL season. And and you know what, Jeff? Sometimes this is coming from a player who knows what injuries are about. Sometimes that does not get appreciated in the world of sports. Guys who are in there day in and day out and also able to perform. I, I thought the acquisition of Leonard, you know, when, when it happened, I thought it was a no-brainer. I, 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 you know, th- that they were able to get him. We Again, we spoke about it. It's, you're asking about, you know, acquisitions. You know, he, here we are. Everybody was talking about this guy. Solder was going to go, and, and uh, Jack Rabbit, and Norris Jenkins was going to go, and Ogletree was going to go, and there were whispers about Evan Ingram. Well, you know what? They're all here. And so is Leonard Williams now. So it's, the team, personnel-wise, is better than it was on Sunday. Well, if we believed in rumors, Matt Patricia would be the head coach, Eli Manning would be on the Jaguars, and Odell Beckham Jr. would be a Ram right now. That's exactly right. I mean, really. You know, it, hap- well, it happens yeah. all the time, Jeff. You know that as a fan. Yeah. Uh, as a fan, right, and uh, I can't wait until off season. To, I mean, I want to see the season play out uh, positively for the Giants. But you know, when when you talk about what media reports and and whatnot, I think we all we as Giant fans have to take 
that into consideration that it's media talking and it's not the Giants well, talking. Well, 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 you know what? Again, we, we touched on this, but I, I keep repeating myself, but you weren't on at the beginning. You know, Pat Sherman was asked by one of the members in media today when we were talking. Pat Sherman was asked, well, you know, what's the locker room like now? Are, are they relieved that nobody is gone? And this sitting to my left here is a former player. The rumors and all that stuff, really, all the talk, the jibber-jabber, if you will, is outside the building, is what Shermer said. Inside the building, they do their job. You know who is, I'll tell you one, since you bring that up, you know who is absolutely as good as anybody I've ever seen handling the rumors? And he was pestered for the last two, three years is Janoris Jenkins. Yeah. And, they, and they kept wanting to get him to say, well, as if he's going to say he's PO'd or he's ticked off or this and that. It's football, man. It's the business. I can't worry about it. Uh, do, well, do you want to be here? I'm here. I, I'm here. Well, there's this no... is football. <laughs> They're paying me. I'm here. But that's, you, you know, now, well, but he's not saying he wants to be here. That's the business of football. That's it. It's the business of sports. I'm sorry I missed the beginning then. No, no yeah, worries. I guess you're reviewing old points. No, you no, no, no. You, you know, but, but those are those are good questions. I, I mean, that is the nature of the beast. And the other thing I'll go along with, Jeff, and what you said, you obviously said, you know, you're really excited for the 2020 season, and that's great. But, you know, the thing is, is that even when it's tough, you know, when you're knocked out of if you're not on playoff contention and you're watching, you know, these games, I loved playing in these games and watching these games. Why? Because I wanted to know who the guys who were fighters next to me. I wanted to know who the guys, when the chips were stacked against them, that did not care and were going to play with pride and play with confidence and have that going out there each and every game. Because those were the players that stuck and helped us win Super Bowls when they weren't first-round draft picks or second-round picks. It's the guys who have heart and show that they want and deserve to be on this football team when the adversity hits make the biggest difference when prosperity's here. It's it's easy to you know yeah. be good be a, a good teammate and everything when the going's good yeah what are you going to be like when it's not so good anything else Jeff before we say no goodbye? that's all I got guys thanks a lot all you right, got it Jeff thank you it's like the old quote you know all your friends know you in prosperity but you know your friends in adversity yeah let let me ask you this as a player uh, you know were you able to tell. And I, I'm not even asking you to, to single anybody out, but were you able to tell when a guy... Shut had, it down? Yeah. Yeah. You know, a guy shut it down yep. or, or even at the... Now that he ain't made it the right stuff yeah. for us. Yeah. yeah. You could see it right away. Now, if one guy sees it, does that mean everybody sees it? Body language never whispers, it screams. You know, when you're around each other for so long and you're playing up against them and out on the practice field and watching the games, and then all of a sudden somebody's doing something outside of their character or not playing with that same effort or motor or not going and attacking their preparation or being in the building the same amount as they did when things were great. It shows up immediately. And you know what? It's not only does it waver in the way that they play, it wavers in the way that everybody else looks at them because they know that they're not 100% all in because the chips are down. Yeah, I, I, I mean, to me, that's always been something that, you know, it's one thing for us, and, and sometimes then the flip side of that is sometimes somebody gets labeled for some stupid reason. Like, you could be on a side. David Deal could be on a sideline, and the Giants could have been getting whipped 
31 to nothing, and somebody caught David Deal. Smiling. Smiling. Yeah. What the hell is he smiling? Uh, what yeah. the, I mean, he that doesn't, is, He doesn't take it seriously. This that is, is a ha- joke. That oh, it happens all the time. All the time. All the time. And I've always said that is not fair. Just that and injuries. Don't judge unless you know. Sometimes when you're getting the crap kicked out of you, levity can be a good thing every once yeah, in a while, right? It, 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 exactly. All right, we got time for one, uh, maybe one or two Frank more Frank the Tank in Tampa? Frank the Tank in Tampa. Frank, you're on with Russ and David Deal. How are we doing today, Frank? Good. How are you doing? Good. Good. Got a couple a big, of minutes, so big, what do you got for us? Giant fan. And I was wondering how the Giants are going to do against Dallas since, like, the last couple games – We've been, like, uh, not scoring first. Well, well uh, listen, sco- I, we want to score first because, uh, quite frankly, uh, that has been, you know, and Pat Shermer has addressed that, one of the, the, the things that have been killing. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. What, what's the, the scratch? Of, yeah. What do you got, a rodent on the line with you or something? No, okay. I, was, I had you on speaker. I took you off speaker. Oh, okay. All right, there you go. No, but I, I mean, as Pat Shermer said, being outscored thirty-eight to nothing in the you, last, you know, and who the yeah. hell wants to keep starting games behind the eight ball? The Giants aren't good enough for that. Yes, they can come back, but the, worry about you know. I asked Pat Shermer this last week: Is your team going to become really good, Pat? Will your Giants become really good? when they learn how to beat the opponent and not themselves. That's everything. That's that's it. And, and you know, the thing that goes along with the fast start, it's not just Daniel Jones. It's having an effective running game to help out so you're not chasing the chains and you're in third and manageables. But it also comes down to the wide receivers catching the football and not having the drops. All these things go hand in hand, and that's why we talked about, and in this game, 3-2-1, 3-2-1, no more than three penalties by the offense, two by defense, one by special teams. Control time of possession, and they have to win the turnover battle in order to beat the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I mean, the yeah. turnover battle has got to be number one. You know what? I'm not even going to say the turnover battle is number one because we've given too many of those up. It's that same old cliche word execution 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 and that's something that the giants do not execute consistently on a consistent basis they don't and that has to improve that has to improve and if they want to get energized and get things rolling right now and a home field advantage monday night football dallas cowboys this is if there's any time to do it it is immediately and it is right now because when you can do that and put a young quarterback in a position to have early success in a football game that is going to give him the confidence to play throughout that way if you're playing behind the chains you're in third and longs you're getting hit your defense is giving up touchdowns it's hard for those things because all of a sudden it feels like you're in quicksand and it keeps pulling you in Listen, start fast, don't make mistakes, and if you don't start, let, 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 for argument's sake, uh, Jeff, and thank you for the call, for, for argument's sake, let's say Giants got the ball first, okay? If the Giants I would get love the, that. If the, I always, I've always as an offensive player wanted the ball yeah. first. But let's say they get the I ball know, first. I know the analytics and probabilities tell you to defer to the second half. As an offense, I always wanted to get that first hit out here, and I wanted our offense and our team set the tempo and, the, and dictate the tempo of the football game instead of sitting back and waiting to see what happens. Well, but uh, my point was going to be, if you're getting the ball first, then don't go three and out. No. Because that's no good. And then if you don't get the first, 
defense. Don't let their offense go on an eight-minute drive to lull everybody to sleep, and then your offense comes on after the other team scores. After the momentum just... On. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. So you, you don't want to do that. Go ahead, get out. I'm sure they're going to be revved up, anxious to go. It's Monday night. You got a new player in Leonard Williams. It is the Cowboys. It's, it's the Cowboys. You don't need... I don't care if you're in a parking lot you on don't need Halloween. Extra motivation you don't for need this extra one. motivation to play the Dallas Cowboys. Anyway, folks, that is a wrap on today. Our thanks to the lovely Nicole Barrows, who takes such good care of us at the controls. To my buddy here, the big man, David Deal, and myself, Russ Salzberg. As always, thanks to you out there, because without you folks, we'd have nobody here to be talking to. So until next time, bye-bye, so long, and farewell. Happy Halloween.